Welcome to another episode of Admit, Deny, Waitlist, the new podcast from the College Counselors at Kentucky Country Day. I'm Danny Easley. And I'm Derry Pickin. In this week's episode, we discuss the impact of the coronavirus on the college admissions landscape. And while we can't predict the future or know for certain, we hope this conversation provides general insight into the application process, especially for the class of 2021. We hope you enjoy. So typically for this um, podcast, Danny, we interview students or faculty or, or friends of ours, but this one is a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, I think when we first started this out, one of our main goals was not to hear our voice very often. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, we're kind of straying from that, uh, from that original, I guess, concept. But I know through our conversations over the last several weeks, we've had a lot of questions that have come up from families regarding how admission, college admissions will be impacted by a lot of the changes that have happened because of the coronavirus and what's going right. on right now. And so I think it would, we, you know, we talked about it being a really good opportunity maybe to answer some of those questions or just have a conversation because a lot of the questions we can't answer, we don't know, but at right. least we can um, give it a good guess, or, guess or, or kind of talk a little bit about how things might be impacted in the future. All right, let's get right into it. All right, I'll ask the first question. Uh, Danny, admit or deny that college early decision and early action deadlines will change this fall? I will admit that. Um, And I know I'm going to say this a lot probably with my answers, but a lot of it obviously depends too with what happens here over the next, probably the next month or so because Mm -hmm. colleges are going to have to make decisions um, by the very beginning of summer so they can start planning. But I do think that it will impact the early deadlines, application deadlines for quite a few schools probably. Not all of them, but quite a few schools. And I think particularly from what I'm hearing, it will probably affect – the smaller liberal arts schools a little bit more than some of the larger national universities or some of the larger um, kind of uh, national selective um, universities and colleges as well. I think the smaller liberal arts schools are a little bit more nimble and their enrollment is probably going to be and their application numbers are probably going to be affected a little bit more mm-hmm. by this um, by the changes that are going on right now. So I think some of those deadlines will change. And I think the change will be that they'll, they'll move them back a little bit. I think that you'll see some early action and early decision deadlines maybe moving from November 1st to December 1st or uh, November 15th. Um, so mm-hmm. giving people a little bit more time uh, to complete their application. And I think a lot of it will have to do with testing as well. I think yeah. as testing starts to get pushed back or if especially if more and more tests get standardized tests get canceled during the summer and students are going to be real be relying heavily on fall testing i think that's going mm-hmm. to force and that may even force big national universities to change their deadlines if students are only given the option to test in the fall instead of being able to do it some some during the summer and we'll, we'll have some questions and we'll get into testing here in a few minutes as well yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and truthfully, a lot of this conversation, I think, is based off the information we're hearing from College Board and, and ACT. They are the groups who have at least officially announced what their plans are in the fall. Right, right. And co- colleges currently have, you know, they say we have a, a plan for opening or 
for going online or whatever, but it's all speculative. But at least the testing agencies have at least said what their plan is for for the fall. Right. I think a lot of universities and colleges are having to react to whatever those testing agencies are are doing and what decisions mm-hmm. they're making. Um, and, so, and some of that reaction has to do with they're just going testing optional. That's their right. that's their reaction. But other schools, I don't have I don't think they have the ability to to go that route or they're really leery to go that route. Again, some of the larger universities um, mm-hmm. that rely strictly on numbers in order to make their admissions decisions. So mm-hmm. I think those are going to be the ones that are that that may be impacted um, as far as testing goes. Mm-hmm. All right, Derry, admit or deny that students should write about their COVID experience in their college essays. I will deny that. I think. College essays are the opportunity for students to write about something unique. And everyone in the country, everyone in the world has been affected in some way, impacted in some way by the coronavirus. So they're probably going to get a lot of essays already on this experience. And I think if a student is leaning into that, um, they're going to sound on paper like pretty much everybody else who's writing about it. Now, if they talk about something they did during uh, this quarantine and made the coronavirus sort of a, a subtle part of it or something that's kind of in, in the background, I think that would be okay because the focus is still on the student's experience, which will be a unique original thing. But if the focus of it is um, the coronavirus kind of upfront, if that's the thesis statement, uh, I would advise students to, to stay away from that kind of essay because I think colleges are going are gonna to hear a lot of it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that that colleges are going to – I think the trap a lot of students fall into is they feel like they have to write about the biggest thing that's ever happened to them in their entire lives. And this mm-hmm. is going to be the biggest thing that's ever happened to students in their entire lives up until this point. And, mm-hmm. But it's also the biggest thing that's happened to every high school student right. in their life, prob- probably not everyone, but, but right, probably right. most of them up until this, up until this point. So I, I agree. I think that colleges are, are going to receive thousands upon thousands of essays focusing on the coronavirus and they're going to mm-hmm. get so sick of reading them yep. that they're probably at a certain point, they're just going to start skipping over them or, or really just, just, um, skimming through those essays pretty quickly. So, right. I agree with you, though. I think it's I think it's really good advice if a student wants to concentrate on something that came from this experience mm-hmm. um, or something they did because of the coronavirus. I think that is a way to go about it. Um, obviously, yeah. all of our lives are changing drastically and dramatically because of this. So, if a student wants to talk about something they, they've done differently or something they've changed, something that's changed in their life, or a new hobby they've picked up, or or something that they've done that they wouldn't have normally done if they weren't mm-hmm. in such a unique situation in such unique circumstances, then that mm-hmm. would be the route to go. And that would kind of be the jumping off point, um, for, for a coronavirus type essay. Yeah. Um, I heard some good advice from a colleague, uh, talking about students, um, you know, maybe making a journal, during this time and writing down a few things, you know, that happen or, or how things have, have changed or, or the way that they're being affected, you know, daily or weekly. And then Mm -hmm. using that to go back and look over, you know, 
this August or September, and maybe they get some ideas for their yeah. college essay based on that journal that they that they keep. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. And we all know nothing motivates students more than asking them to keep a journal. <laughs> students love journaling. Oh, they love it. They love it. It's just such a <laughs> such an engaging practice. <laughs> All right, so here's here's the next question for you. Admit or deny that colleges will view AP exams the same this year after changes in the current exam. Yeah, so this has this has changed. Um, my answer to this has changed within the last probably couple of weeks. I think mm-hmm. at this point, yes, probably most will still accept AP exam scores um, like they normally would. Um, mm-hmm. But I can't say that for everyone. And, and here's the reason. Admissions offices aren't the ones who are in charge of making decisions about what type of credits will be given for AP exam scores. That's done. Yeah. I think it, a lot of students are under the, uh, under the assumption that, that the admissions offices are the ones that make that decision. They're the ones that hold that information and convey that information to students, but they're not the mm-hmm. ones that ultimately make that decision. Those decisions are made by the faculty and by mm-hmm. the departments um, at, the, at the university. So right now, from what I've, I've been hearing from um, people on the college side of things, are those faculty members are so overwhelmed right now trying to give content to their and trying to conduct classes online and learn new platforms, yeah. just like our faculty is, um, to teach classes online. That the last thing that's on their mind is evaluating how they're going to give credit for uh, new online AP exams. So yeah. I think some of that's going to change. What I've been hearing is, yeah, we'll accept it. Um, don't worry about it from most schools, but some mm-hmm. schools are taking a little bit more of a conservative approach and saying, uh, we're going to have to wait a little bit. We're going to have to kind of see how our faculty, uh, and I think some schools are really honestly going to look and see what the, how the scores shake out, to be honest, right. and see if the scores are comparable, if they're seeing scores comparable to what they've seen in years past, because this is such a new format and mm-hmm. such a different dramatic change um, in the way that the exams are delivered, the amount of time that students are going to be spending on the exams, right. the content that's going to be covered um, in the exams. So I think that there's there's a lot of question marks there. But I think in general, yes, um, especially for yeah, I think for, for this year that they'll they'll probably be accepted. I wonder too how forgiving the AP graders will be. You know, if only if answering one question, if they're going to you know say this this weighs a lot more. Or if they're going to say like, oh my gosh, the kids are only answering one question, so we got to give them points where we can. Yeah, yeah. I, I think those are all that. The, that's that's a question that's still up in the air. Yeah, and I don't think yeah. anybody knows until they kind of see the content that students are, what students are giving them. What are the answers looking like? And, and nobody right. really knows because they've never delivered an a truly online forty-five minute AP exam before. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the good thing that can come from this is hopefully um, if this if this goes well, um, you know, why wouldn't they just stick with this format? Right. Um, and and I think there would be a lot it'd be a lot better for for kids um, taking mm-hmm. a 45 minute exam is a lot more um, 
is a lot more real world with what they're used to doing in class than taking a three, three hour, three and a half hour exam, you know, sitting right. in one room. So right. I think it could be a, 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 a good change if, if everything works out. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Admit or deny that students should take this time to consider some unique and interesting hobbies or projects I admit that, you know, after students are going through their journals, and there's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, this is, you know, um, I saw a, a clip from, I think it was from the daily show when Trevor Noah is asking this NASA astronaut who spent time in the international space station, how do you deal with isolation? And you, you, know, you more than journal, exactly. <laughs> you know, you more than anybody have this experience of being totally isolated from the world. You know, what's what are some some pro tips? And she said something interesting. She said, uh, you know, I don't think about boy. I really wish I had a, a latte from Starbucks. Obviously, they don't have that in space. She said, what what I try to focus on are, is what's positive. Like, oh my gosh, I'm viewing the. Um, you know, the, the Northern lights from space or trying to focus on sort of one positive thing of isolation. It's kind of like a, a reframing of a mindset thing. So if students are to think of this, this time and isolation in a similar way, you know, when else do you get, uh, this much time to, to learn something new or to, uh, to hone in on a particular skill or to, you know, read Harry Potter from start to finish or, you know, whatever your project might be is really is in some ways kind of a nice opportunity to, to do those things. And any, you know, creative project or hobby that you, that you're into can show up on your college application in, in some form, whether it's through the essay or the activity section or whatever. Um, so I think it would only enhance, you know, a, an overall, uh, student's file. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, you know, in some ways, this is a really great opportunity. This situation has has made a really great opportunity for students, I think, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of high schoolers' mindsets are colleges are looking for me to do certain things in order to fill my resume. And so I'm right. going to do those certain things. I'm going to be involved in organized athletics. I'm going to do this many community service hours. I'm going to be the member of these certain clubs at my school, because those mm-hmm. are the things that everybody else does that I know who has applied to college and has gotten into college. And that's what I want to do. And mm-hmm. I think now under these unique, unique circumstances, now students are free, right? To not have to, they can take a step back and say, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, I was on the soccer team just because I thought that that's what I wanted to do, but eh, I wasn't really into it. Mm-hmm. And I would really like to um, concentrate more on learning how to play the guitar or, you know, I want to improve my mile time or I right. want to learn right. how to, you know, I want to, um, you know, learn how to cook better or something along those lines that they haven't been able to do before because they've, mm-hmm. their lives have been so structured in doing um, structured activities and doing mm-hmm. um, organized activities that are organized through right. the school or from some other venue and that they aren't, they don't have that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think that the nice thing about that too is Colleges understand that. Colleges, universities understand that. So they're they're not going to be looking for students really necessarily to have had those type of experiences. They're going to be looking that students took advantage of this time, right, um, in a creative 
probably a creative and unique way. And, right. you know, I, I think creative, motivated people are going to find outlets, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I would hope that our students would do is find some sort of outlet, um, you know, whether that's I, – I don't know what that would be. Um, right. Whatever they want. That's the greatest – that's the great thing about this. Is it's whatever you want it to be. You can still be creatively and intellectually productive at home. Right. Right. Exactly. And no other time I think – would students say, well, you know, I think that a college is going to want me to put on my resume that I read all the, I read the entire Harry Potter series and watched the movies right. and, um, you know, and, uh, uh, did some art and, you know, I was inspired by that. So I put together my own, um, a spell book with art in it or something, right. you know, something <laughs> corny, cheesy like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But but if that's if that's what you find like fun right now, then do mm-hmm. it, and it's going to be acceptable, right? I think it's always been acceptable to colleges, mm-hmm. but students just didn't think it was. Um, and and now that shows have, more about your personality than saying you were a, a midfielder for the JV soccer team. Exactly, that's exactly. Yeah. I think it gives more insight about who you uniquely are, mm-hmm. um, right? Than just being the midfielder to the, for the soccer team. That's exactly right. right. Now, my dad said being a midfielder for the JV soccer team was special. (laughs) You know, not everybody got much playing time, you know? (laughs) People have other skills. (laughs) Danny, admit or deny that students should trust that a college is truly test optional. I admit that. Um, I think that students sometimes believe that testing optional is some sort of trap. Yeah. Like they're trying there. It's, it's a trick that, that schools are, are doing, um, for some reason or another. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not true. Um, I think that there are so many more schools going test testing optional now, obviously, because there just aren't, um, there's just not the ability for students to take tests. And I think schools that are going that route, have put some thought into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the thing I think that students and, and parents need to understand is testing optional, even j- just because a lot of schools are now going that route because they're forced to, doesn't mean that there hasn't been testing optional around for the last 30 years. It's not right. like this is a brand new thing that schools are just adapting now. And there's no reason they're just flying by the seat of their pants. Right. There's 30 years of research that says by some really good institutions that says, mm-hmm. you know, standardized testing isn't really a great indicator of how successful a student will be in college. Mm-hmm. The reason colleges have used standardized testing up until this point is because it's a it's some sort of number another number that they can use another Mm -hmm. piece that they can use in order to make admissions decisions it just makes their life a little bit easier Mm -hmm. um so it's it's not a trick i think something that students need to remember though is just because especially now just because a school is testing optional doesn't make it easier to get into. Right. Um, you know, there, and there's going to be a lot more t- obviously testing optional schools now. That doesn't mean that it's going to be just because a school, let's say case Western, 
you know, just recently went testing optional doesn't mean that it's going to be easier to get into Case Western now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, University of Chicago went test optional two or three years ago. Their their admission rate hasn't gone down. It's still right. really tough to get into University of Chicago. So it doesn't make it easier to get into the school. But I think it does make it more, more accessible to students who just aren't good test takers, who, mm-hmm. um, you know, don't um, – can't it, – it's not – the best environment for them to sit for three and a half hours and take an exam on one Saturday afternoon or morning Mm -hmm. and have that be kind of the reason they don't get into a school. It's going to be really helpful for those students, but students have to realize that the, the other, if you do decide to go test optional and not um, give a school your, your test score, all those other aspects of your application are going to be highlighted even more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you don't have a good GPA or you're not involved in anything or your essay is kind of mediocre or not very good and your recommendation letters are not very good, then testing optional is not going to help you at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Those other aspects of your application are, are going to be are going to be highlighted. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's my contribution <laughs> to this question. <laughs> thanks, thanks for your <laughs> insights there. <laughs> Admit or deny that standardized testing changes will be made this summer and fall. I admit that. It's already happened that testing changes will be made or were made, at least uh, as far as how they're scheduling them. Um, I believe it's ACT, though correct me if I'm wrong, that they're now offering one test every month. Um, and before they didn't do that. Right. Uh, sometimes they would, they would skip a month. And they're also um, saying that students can now potentially take those tests from home. Well, not potentially, that they can take those tests from home. So those are pretty big changes. Uh, the availability of the test, if people are allowed to you know, go to testing centers and take them, and if not, then the option to, to take that test at home. Uh, those are big changes for obvious reasons. Um, not having a proctor in the room um, could call into question the veracity of scores, you know, are kids more likely to cheat if they're at home? And if so, how would they, how would ACT monitor that? Um, so yeah, th- those are, those are the two big changes I can think of, uh, think of off, off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's been, you know, it seems like every week we get a new, new update from ACT yeah. or college board with changes, either a cancellation date or changes to testing for this summer and this fall. Um, I agree. I think that I think the biggest changes are going to be obviously ACT and College Board are money making nonprofits, <laughs> right? So right. you know they they do not want to lose testing dates and the ability for students to take these tests, mm-hmm. and so they're doing everything they can to make them accessible to students. So that means offering more tests in the fall, more test dates in the fall, and you know ACT just rolled out that they're definitely going to be doing online right. testing. A- SAT, it's definitely in the works. You know, these now that they've set up for AP to be online, mm-hmm. SAT is just right around the corner. And a lot of these are going to be able to, and they're probably going to be able to be done from home as well. Um, so I, I think it's these are all good changes for students who are interested in taking these tests. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it, it can make it more accessible, at least for our students, it can make it more accessible. There's some other national conversations going on about accessibility um, for, for students that don't have the opportunity to do online things in their home. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I think that it'll, it'll definitely open, um, options up for students with how they want to take the exams. Yeah. Um, in a way that, that hasn't been offered before. And this has been in the work, you know, they've, they've offered the GRE online for 20 years. Right. So I find it, it's interesting that they're just now coming around to this. And I think it's, it's taken something like the coronavirus to really push these testing agencies to enforce their hand to, to make these, uh, this, these types of changes right now. Right. I guess the unknown is how colleges will view a test taken from home. Right. You know, if they'll consider that with the same uh, level of scrutiny that they do a, a regular ACT, you know, from a, a testing center. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that is a, that is a big question. And again, it's kind of, I think that those are all things that are up in the air right now. And right. Nobody really knows the answer to again, but you know, they've been doing this for the, with the GRE for a long mm-hmm. time. So it's not like this is new territory. Right. Um, but it will be interesting to see how, how colleges look at that and how much importance they put on those test scores and, or whether schools start to move back from putting so much um, importance on standardized testing and, and move towards other things within the application that are more important. Yeah. Yeah. One thing, one piece of advice that I will, um, that I would like to give to students, um, especially kind of juniors right now or sophomores right now is that if, um, because, testing dates are being canceled for the summer and into the fall. Um, I'd recommend to students to go ahead and sign up for those, um, summer testing dates, even if they think that those tests will be canceled mm-hmm. and rescheduled for the fall, because it looks like those testing agencies are giving priority to the students who, whose test date has been canceled. Yes. So, you know, if you sign up for the July testing date and it gets canceled, well, you're going to have the first priority for the September testing date. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just say, uh, you know, they're not going to have it in July, I'm going to just wait and um, do do the one in September. And then you wait, you might get shut out because there's going to be a limited number of tests, testing dates available right. and seats in order to, uh, to accommodate students. Mm-hmm. Admit or deny that students can still demonstrate interest during the pandemic. I will admit that. I think all of these have been admits, which is good. We're we're a real positive positive group here. I denied that students should write about their the. Oh, you did. You did. You're right. I threw a denial in there. (laughs) Good. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will admit that you can still demonstrate interest during the pandemic. Um, I think a lot of students believe that demonstrated interest. Um, is only visiting a college campus. And obviously yeah. you can't do that right now. But also no one else in the United States can do that right now. Um, so everyone's on a level playing field. Right. Um, I think that um, you can demonstrate interest in a lot of other ways. Obviously schools will be sending are sending a lot of um, emails to students right now. Mm-hmm. They are offering virtual online information sessions, virtual online, um, tours. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all kinds of resources available online now to students that have never been available before. Mm-hmm. And I urge students, if you are interested in a school, go online, 
um, register, click on that email that the school sends you, take yeah. the virtual tour, sit in on the virtual information session. All of those things schools will be tracking now, and those will be weighed even more heavily mm-hmm. when it comes to demonstrated interest than they probably have in the past because those are the only ways that students now can or, – or the main ways that students can demonstrate interest. Right, um, right. You know, I've also heard from a lot of colleagues on um, the college side that their admissions counselors, there's never been a time before that the admissions counselors haven't been more available to students because right. they're sitting at home. They're not they're in not their traveling. office. Yeah, they're not traveling. They're not in their office getting distracted by other things. They're at home and their main goal is to communicate with students and answer questions with students. Um, and so, if you have a question, if you want to reach out to an admissions counselor, they're very they're they're readily available right yeah. now. I've I've gotten responses back from counselors so much more quickly um, over the last month than I, I have to. in the past, um, just because they're they're there, they're online, um, they're checking their email a lot more regularly because they don't have they don't have the the added distractions of, mm-hmm. of kind of being in the office or traveling or all the other things that have to do with um, you know kind of your normal work day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another thing that I heard um, someone say recently about demonstrated interest was they said um, students should stop thinking about it as demonstrated interest and start thinking about it as demonstrated understanding, which I think is a, a, a unique way of looking at it. I would argue that they need to look at it both ways, yeah. to be honest. Um, but the demonstrated understanding piece goes with do your homework and, Mm. and when a school, so that, you know, when, when you're applying to a school and they ask you why us, right, you have a good, you know, that's the demonstrated understanding aspect of it. And those weigh a lot in, um, the admissions process. Mm -hmm. And so doing your research and understanding what a school is like and utilizing those online tools right now, or, um, reaching out to a to a, an admissions rep and asking mm-hmm. questions so that you get a better understanding of the five or six institutions that you're probably going to apply to. I think that that that's something that can be done right now as well. And, and that can weigh a lot also. So thinking of it in, in both, both ways, demonstrated yeah. understanding as well as demonstrated interest, yeah, not I losing think- sight of that demonstrated understanding aspect. And now it's time for the special part of our program called Wait List. Wait. List the top three things you most commonly hear on a campus tour. I'm going to say the three most common things I hear on a campus tour are blue lights, (laughs) which are the safety lights on campus with the phones, which I've never seen anyone on a college campus use, especially now that we have cell phones. I don't know who would ever use those. They always point them out on the campus tour. The number of volumes in their library, like someone, some student would be impressed with numbers of volumes. Nobody cares. And the other one that I love is, um, Every other college campus I've ever visited has a coffee shop in their in their uh, student center called Uncommon Grounds. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So those are I, mine. I would say the mention of buildings that are LEED certified. <laughs> yes. 
I would say a history of the college president's resume. <laughs> yes, nobody cares. No one cares. <laughs> no one cares. And the joke that they make about study abroad, that they send students to six continents, and then they'll say, all but Antarctica. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that a classic. Aside. Yeah, yeah that, that's a classic. We hear those all the time. We could do a whole. We could do a whole podcast on just on just bad tour jokes. I know. I know. Yeah. Okay. Wait. List your favorite campus traditions you've learned while touring a campus. Okay. So I I've thought about this a lot, uh, and I came up with a little list. So, um, College of Worcester, uh, when you turn in your senior thesis you get a Tootsie Roll. Yeah. And I, th- I think that started when <laughs> whoever the, the registrar was or whoever received those didn't have anything to give someone, so she just started handing out Tootsie Rolls. And you would think, you know, you're turning in your senior thesis, it's this huge celebration, and to walk out with this little dinky piece of Halloween candy. But now it's become a thing. So, like, getting the Tootsie Roll at College of Worcester is, is a big deal. So I always loved that that tradition. That's a good I would, one. I would say at uh, at Smith College in Massachusetts, um, one day in the spring, the college president will ring some bell in a bell tower, and that means classes are canceled for the day. So professors don't know when it's coming. Students don't know when it's coming. But anytime you hear like that bell ringing, then classes are canceled all day. I always thought that was really cool. And I would say my third – I have a lot, but I think my third would be one of my favorite college traditions is how annoyed – Ohio State grads get when you don't say the Ohio State University. <laughs> I refuse. I refuse to I say it. I refuse I know. to I say it. I do too. It. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> so I that's my that list. One. What do you got? Good. Well, you took two of my three. Oh, okay. Yeah. You took the the the, the Tootsie Roll Worcester one is one of mm-hmm. my favorites. Smith's Mountain Day is one of my favorites um, with the canceling of classes. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go – with um i'm gonna go with with my school notre dame Mm -hmm. one of my favorite traditions um of all time is they have this huge basketball tournament every spring called bookstore basketball and it's the largest five like uh amateur five on five basketball tournament in the world there's like wow 800 or 900 teams that get together and play bookstore basketball. And it's anybody on campus can play. You just put together a team. And some of them are really good. Like people put together themes and like dress and costume and play basketball. Mm-hmm. But others are legit. And the awesome thing is uh, basketball players and who have graduated. So the senior basketball players can play in bookstore basketball. Oh, wow. But there can only be, there can't be more than two of them. These are varsity basketball players. There can't be more than two on the team. And also any of the football players can play. <laughs> so you would get, honestly, when it gets down to like the final, like, like the quarterfinals and the final four in the yeah. championship game, it is amazing basketball because you have unbelievable athletes out there playing basketball, just like pickup basketball. Mm-hmm. And there's no refs because it's like call, you know, it's like just street basketball. So it gets, it gets a little bit rough, mm-hmm. not a little bit rough. It does get rough and it's just, it's just awesome. <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so much fun and it's every spring. That's the good. other thing I will say about the, the other thing kind of I wrote down about, 
campus traditions is if you go on a campus tour and you ask a current student to point out what cool traditions they have at school, which I think is a great question. It's a question I always ask when I go on a campus tour, but if they're not able to give you a cool college tradition at their school, then that school's probably pretty lame. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. So anyway, it's a good question to ask. Wait, list your favorite college mascots. I love um, Big Red at WKU. Um, I love Uga, the Bulldog at University of Georgia. Um, uh, Ohio Wesleyan has the Battling Bishop, which I like because the sticker, I think it's on your office door, the sticker just sort of looks like my grandfather. So it's like the Ohio Wesleyan, you know, grumpy Surly grandfathers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So those, those, uh, I think those are probably the, the, the few off the top of my head. I like the, I like some obscure ones. The Oglethorpe stormy Petrols. Yeah. Is a great one. The Delta state fighting okra. I love. <laughs> yeah. The Connecticut college camels, I think is just really mm-hmm. funny. That's unique, yeah. Um, and then Amherst just recently changed theirs um, because their their former one was was racist in some way, right? Um, to the woolly mammoths. So those are a couple of my favorites. Th- that's great. Wait, list the most overlooked colleges or hidden gems. I would say any small liberal arts college outside of our hour at KCD students comfort zones yeah. <laughs> are, are some of my favorites, to be honest with you. Some examples would be someplace like Lewis and Clark yep. um, or Sarah Lawrence College or Clark mm-hmm. um, up uh, you know, near Boston or someplace really obscure like Warren Wilson that has like a really um, – interesting way of, you know, it's kind of like this work, sort of like Berea in a sense, yeah. but a little bit even more um, into the kind of work environment and working college type environment. So I love schools like that because, and I love when students come to me and say, hey, I'm looking for a small liberal arts college in the Pacific Northwest because right. our students don't look there very often. Right. And then I can be like, oh yes, this is going to be so much fun yeah. helping you find a good fit. I was going to say Lewis and Clark. I like Hendricks College in oh, Conway, yeah. Arkansas. They have kind of a cool – it's not really campus tradition, but part of their uh, campus is covered in pecan shells. Oh, cool. So it's not like I said, not really a tradition, but just something kind of unique, whatever. Yeah. So, um, so I, I was going to say Hendricks. I liked um, – th- these aren't really overlooked nationally, but for our students, students don't really look that much at Lafayette. They don't uh-huh. look at a lot of places like Lehigh um, or Gettysburg College. Yeah, and I love those schools that have like a very distinct characteristic about them. Some yeah. place like Colorado College that has the um, unique academic calendar where they only take one class for three or yeah. four weeks at a time. Something like that I think is really cool and I think are sometimes overlooked. But yeah. they're also only for specific types of students who are looking for that specific type of thing. That's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Join us next time at on Admit, Deny, Waitlist. <laughs> <laughs>